six of the Festival Rules. I'm Josh Horowitz. And I'm Ben Lyons. Thank you so much for downloading, for listening, for subscribing. We've had uh, a wonderful few days here in the mountains seeing some movies and getting to talk with some great filmmakers. Um, but our hearts are heavy as we process the news that um, uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi, as well as seven other passengers, crashed in a helicopter in Calabasas in California. And it just has broken my spirit out here and, and and a lot of people have heavy hearts in park city and around the world yeah it was um you know we were just talking it definitely can sometimes feel like you're in a bubble here in park city like a beautiful kind of creative bubble where everybody's just obsessed and and bonded over film and art and this was one of those moments where it didn't matter for a second or a day or two days and it's not gonna matter for a while because um this this life shattering event this this man and this uh, and, and tragically his daughter have passed in an incomprehensible incident and and kobe you know changed culture changed the world and and suddenly park city could talk about nothing but and i'm sure wherever you guys are listening it's the same way um he he was a transformative figure and certainly um ben and i have been talking and ben you more than me have been like um, involved in Kobe's world as, as such a sports enthusiast. Um, talk to me about like your first, I don't know, feelings when you think about Kobe Bryant. Well, I'm, I'm not going to find the words. I'm not going to have the, um, the mama mentality right now in trying to um, express how I feel in this moment. Honestly, Josh, it's been, um, it's been a lot to process. It's been a lot to process here. Kobe, Kobe is L.A. When I think of Los Angeles, he moved out there at the age of 17 in 1996. Jerry West was driving him to practice. And he grew up in front of in front of us. It's like in your world as a, as a child star in a way. He took Brandy to his prom. He was an icon from the start. And I was uh, so into basketball in high school. And, and here comes this guy who comes out of high school. And um, I didn't get it till I moved to L.A., about 10 years later, I moved to Los Angeles and Kobe had won three championships then, but Shaq had won the MVPs. And so there was always the Shaq and Kobe storyline and beef. And I love Shaq. And, but then when you, when I moved to Los Angeles to feel the, the love in the city for Kobe Bryant, it's, I'm scared, Josh, to go home. I don't want to go back to LA and not have that love and energy. It's crazy. It's a, it's a, as a hooper, as a storyteller, as just um, as someone who wants to be a father someday, it's 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 a lot out here, and he would have loved it here. That's what I think about yeah. when I when I walk up and down Main Street and see people in Kobe jerseys. I'm like, man, he would have come out here with movies, and he would have loved it here. He, um, I mean, I think part of why he was more than just a. a one of the greats in his sport and why he he transcends it is he reiterated and lived a few different lives. And clearly we saw him on this path of creativity. I mean, for God's sakes, he won an Oscar two years ago for a short film. Oh my God. I remember him that night too. He turned into the wide eyed kid that everybody turns into when they see him. Yeah. That was an incredible, incredible thing to see firsthand was that he was so appreciative in that moment. And, he, and so many times we're so thankful for him for giving us so much joy and 
No, he was thrilled. I remember he had what John Williams do the score. Like he was just, it seemed like he was a a film geek, like an an interested artist, like all of us. And you're totally right. I don't think he ever, as you were saying, obviously the the NBA season coincides with Sundance, but I'm sure in, in his later years, he would have found a place here with some project and it's, and that, and you know, obviously when someone is taken so young, that's, that's part of what is so shattering is just like all the work that was to come and all, and, 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 we couldn't chart what he was going to be. I mean, he, he had, he had done so much in his, in his 40 plus years, but clearly there was a lot more to come. And that's, and that's how I feel about little Gigi too, because she was starting to just come into her own as a hooper and, and what Kobe did to support women's basketball. Um, it cannot go on, on understated. I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable how he's able to show so much support and help grow the game for women who are oft are so often marginalized. And there's so many issues with pay equity and, and, and TV deals. And, and we could go down the rabbit hole on why women's basketball, um, it, it, you know, needed someone like Gigi. And I, I'm, I'm trying to find meaning. I think as all of us are in this kind of senseless stuff happens. And my, my takeaway has been he, the Bryant family in particular gave so much to the game of basketball. He, get, he missed all of his daughter's recitals and uh, homework sessions and school, you know, school plays and stuff because he was in Milwaukee and he was in Orlando and he was in Phoenix and, and, and he gave, they gave so much to the game. So now not only as basketball fans, but also out here as storytellers, because Kobe was a storyteller and the ultimate artist on the basketball floor. It's our responsibility to give back to, so now we got to give to the game. Now we got to give to cinema. Now we got to give to championing the arts. And that's how I'm kind of processing it. It's been helpful talking to people. It's been helpful talking to you. I really appreciate you as a friend in this moment. And yeah, it's um, it's weird being here at Sundance. It took me right back to Heath Ledger. Yeah, we were here and the and the way the news spread across Main Street. It was totally. Eerie. I mean, I remember. Yeah, I think I've said this before. I mean, I remember walking out of a screening of a, of a doc, and suddenly everybody's phones lit up, and it was the only thing everybody was talking about. And and you know, we were together when we heard the news about Kobe, and um, and even just like where we were sitting, like it was spreading through a restaurant, and 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 in a beautiful way, like bonding between tables and 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 joining other conversations and just starting to commiserate even in those initial moments about what he meant to each of you guys was kind of beautiful to see and and that's since in, in the in the hours since that's um definitely the feeling on the streets of Park City where people are you know some people are still are wearing jerseys or or have stuff out but you can just hear it it's just in the air it's as much as what what's the last film you see or what's the best film you saw as much of that is the conversation as always at park city it's it's kobe it's whispers of kobe 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 and it's just it's it's tragic it's also kind of beautiful in a, in a weird profound way and and in a, we and it's just a strange i'll never understand how the universe um had this happen or but in such tragedy you you turn to the arts and you turn to your friends and two hours after this news broke and we're still trying to figure out what was going on. I sat down with a friend of mine who I play basketball with um, Nick Braun, who's out here for Zola. And we did an interview um, in his hotel room in a state of shock and confusion and grief, but we're looking for healing and comfort. And I know it helped Nick because he's a lifelong Laker fan and told stories of going to games with his dad. And um, it helped me, I know, just try to 
begin to ground in and process everything. And, and um, I'm really grateful that Nick um, took the time and, and we were able to um, kind of go through, go through those moments uh, together. And, and switch of gears in a little way, just to give you guys some context, uh, um, Ben and I both got a chance to see uh, Zola, uh, which was a very much anticipated film here. It's already got distribution from A24, which is, of course, one of those premier destinations for independent film now. Um, and this is kind of like an, an only in 2020 story of a, a film that's based on a series of tweets, actually. Um, and it's a, it's a wild story. It's been compared to Spring Breakers. I've heard people talk about that. Um and yeah, it's got a really cool ensemble of actors in it. Um, Taylor Page is the lead. Is Zola. She's having a moment right now. Yeah, we were just talking. She's going to be seen in um, Ma Rainey's uh, bottom, Black Bottom with um, Chadwick Boseman later this year. Uh, Riley Keough also having very much a moment. She's great in this film. It's funny. I think you said to me the other night at one of the screenings, you said it seems like Sundance has shifted from discovering specific films and really – kind of gravitating towards talent and having moments for them to shine and to be discovered and to show different sides of their skill sets. Totally. And that definitely feels like a moment uh, for Taylor Page as, as Zola in this film. Um, and uh, to, sur- to be surrounded by Nick Braun and, and Riley and Coleman Domingo, who's been killing it Coleman lately. Coleman Domingo in this movie is great. He yeah. Really is. Kind he of plays... like this crazy pimp, basically. Not kind of like a crazy yeah. pimp. He plays <laughs> a crazy pimp. Legitimate, batshit crazy pimp. Yeah. And it's one of those films that's like very very engaging um i mean I jason mitchell pops up that's uh, right it's just yeah there's a lot to to unpack in a film like that and, and nick by the really way well. nick uh, kind of scene stealer in this one well, you know what's great about nick can we get into in the interview a little bit is that um you know he's no sundance stranger but i think it's the first you know he's a stranger to being at sundance as a big star right so he shares some of his experiences uh now that his life has changed a little bit from his work on succession Excellent. Well, I'm glad you had the opportunity to talk I to did. Nick yeah, at I really this time. Appreciate yeah. it. And, um, you know, for all the hoopers out there and storytellers out there who are hurting right now, time um, doesn't heal the wounds. It's time and work, just like Kobe. Kobe's documentary, doing work, like put in the work, talk to people. If you're hurting, seek help. It's okay. And oftentimes I turn to the arts for moments of healing. And that's why I feel once again, Josh, very blessed to be out here at the Sundance Film Festival. All right, excellent. Let's take a listen to your chat with Nicholas Braun. It's a strange way the universe works that today I'm sitting opposite somebody I play basketball with in Los Angeles, yeah. Nick Braun, who grew up a Laker fan and is just reacting to the news about the passing of Kobe Bryant. We're all in a kind of state of shock here as we try to find meaning in the meaningless. So how are you feeling today, man? I mean, it's it was one of those moments uh, where it just reverberated through the room and it just kind of like took over everybody's energy. And I, I think it's because Kobe is just an indestructible, he feels like an indestructible guy. Like he, he felt like an infallible, like a heroic person. So when you hear about something like this, it just feels like it can't actually, that can't actually happen to that guy. Like that guy's going to be around forever. You yeah, know? and he's been. I feel like he's been more in our in our world recently too. Like he stepped back into, you know, being like a an NBA proponent again. And like it brings me a lot of comfort to be able to sit here and talk with you on a day like today, where as hoopers we're kind of just trying to find meaning. Totally. In it. To- I mean, and- the amount of time, like the the amount of games I watched of his. Like I, you know, I, I used to go to some of his games when I was living in LA with my dad a bit and my brother. 
like we were clearing out our house in Connecticut recently and we have Kobe autographs all over the place, balls with Kobe's signature on it. I mean, Kobe was like, he was our idol growing up. He's Los Angeles for 20 years. You know, I, I yeah. obviously was, 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 um, you know, as a Knicks fan, someone, he would come into the garden and give us 60, right? So oh, like yeah. my relationship with Kobe, the player, <laughs> is a little different, but then moving to Los Angeles, you realize, oh, his presence in the city was so palpable. Like he is Los Angeles and a new, a new respect developed for me for Kobe when I moved to LA. Yeah. As opposed to growing up in New York. But um, it does remind you of 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 that the fact that life is fragile and that we do appreciate the moments you have and Sundance always does that to me you know even without something as horrific and terrible as this happening I'm reminded of oh we only have a short amount of time here and we should yeah. be present and yeah and, yeah and yeah something- it's hard here though because it's such a it's such it's it's such chaos like it's so it's madness you know yeah. for anybody who hasn't been here it's like. It's constant and you're, you're moving all the time and you're seeing people you haven't seen in a long time and the energy is like palpable and people are excited and it feels like everyone's inspired and like they're seeing movies and they're liking things and they're talking about, I mean, the energy is just so dope, but it's hard. You, you want to settle down. Like you want to find your moments and be like, okay, I'm actually in the middle of fucking Utah and I'm actually like on a mountain and you know, so and you're premiering your movie for uh, for the first time at Eccles in a theater of a thousand people who love cinema and are dying to see yeah, it. Yeah, here, yeah. Uh, this time around, you're here for a movie called Zola, yeah, which was inspired by a series of tweets for the audience uh, listening to this. Explain how this whole project came together and how you got involved. Yeah, um, this girl uh, Asia, but she goes by Zola, wrote a bunch of tweets about this crazy experience that she had and. She, uh, she kind of got picked up by this girl in Detroit and they had this sort of girl romance, you know, friendship romance thing where they- got infatuation. Infatuation, yeah. yeah, where they they sort of realized like, oh, we're both sexy. We could go dance together. We can make money together. And um, the other girl her, her in the movie, her name is Stephanie, but she's a, she's a white girl and she's- Riley Keough in the movie. Riley Keough. Great. Yeah. yeah. She's a very <laughs> special char- a character yes. you've never seen sure. in film, I don't think. And she kind of ropes her in and and they have this really, you know, cool chemistry right away. And, and um, she takes her to this, uh, Riley's character takes Zola on this road trip to Tampa with her boyfriend and this mysterious roommate of hers named X. And it becomes way more than just like a stripper, you know, friendship or whatever. It's like an odyssey um, into Tampa and the grimy parts of prostitution and sex trafficking and it's violent and it's very uneasy but it's also the the movie has come out i think totally like really funny and um bizarre it's so great to to feel in that Eccles theater for the premiere of zola when your character walks into the movie there's an excitement that you can feel in the theater because audiences just know this guy's crazy. <laughs> He's so wobbly right away. <laughs> right away. How did you jump into it? What's his name even? I forget. What's his name? It's Derek. Yeah. And it's what, Derek. Everybody? It's D-E-R-R-E-K, um, just so we get that clear. Um, uh, but but this dude is like, it, it feels like a Florida bro I've seen before, met before, but I clearly am not friends with He's so excited to go on this road trip. Like he's a 20 hour road trip to Tampa, 20 hour road trip. Like, you know, they live in Detroit. He's, he's, um, 
you know, head over heel, deeply in love with, um, with Riley Keough's character, Stephanie. <laughs> just, so, just a bad life choice. Just like she's his queen. She's his like a perfect girl. And I don't know what it is, but, um, but, but he loves her and I guess she needs him. They need each other in some weird dysfunctional way. And, um, but I think my take on it was that it, th- this relationship is eating him alive and it's just like kind of corroding him from the inside out. And so I kind of wanted to feel sick and feel kind of like infected. Um, but, you know, he doesn't drink in the movie, he doesn't smoke cigarettes, he's, but he's like drinking Red Bulls and eating candy and like like not drinking water. And, um, you know, we I painted like little lesions on my skin and little things to like, like that he's got sores like coming up and, and I lost a bunch of weight to play the part. And, um, and, and so I just wanted him to be like kind of barely alive through this relationship. Just hanging on by a thread. (laughs) Totally. And it adds just a really wild dynamic and energy to the movie. And it's great to see you in this role. And the one thing I have to say though, about being here at Sundance this year, and you get a sense from walking around main street, you know, who people are excited to see and like everyone, I'm telling you, bro, everyone is hyped that you're here. Wow. I, I'm like, he's been here. Where have you guys all been? <laughs> this whole like, hey, he's just like a new guy on the scene. I, I kind of see people. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like this kid has been working hard for a long time. He's in a movie called Get a Job. It didn't even fucking come out. That's that when like I met amazing. you, Amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like what the hell? So how do you balance? I don't, I don't handle it well. And it's not my life. How do you handle it? When <laughs> You're not are, handling this for me. Well. Yes, I'm not handling yeah. this whole like, oh, Nick's new on the scene bullshit yeah, because yeah, you've yeah. been putting in work. So how does it feel to now finally be seen and have people kind of feel like you just kind of came out of nowhere? <sighs> Shit, I don't know. I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably like the true voice inside of my head. That's like, you don't know. I started when I was six years old. Like I made my first movie when I was 11. So it's not new, but um, I think at a certain point you you realize this career is just a long road and that certain time, certain things pop for people. You know, certain people have watched Red State or certain people have watched Stanford Prison Experiment or, you know, Sky High, like was a big thing for a certain group of people. And um you know, you just, people sometimes, you know, one thing can just make people understand you for the first time. So that's what succession has been for me. But, um, a lot of people might not know that you're very good friends with Chris Mintz-Plass. Yeah. And Chris has a similar thing and that he's so identified with a character. People see Chris and they're like, Mick Luffin. People see you now and they go, Cousin Greg. Totally. Have you talked to him at all about that? Because I know he's worked very hard now to build a great career after Superbad. Yeah. Where he's played all these other roles and has all these movies. He's in a movie here at uh, Sundance, Promising Young Woman. When he comes on screen in that, people get really excited. Exactly. Right? So that idea of being so connected with the character, which is great, but then you want to move away from it too in some in some capacity. Yeah. I, t- I actually talked to, talked to him about it recently. I was like... Do, do you realize that we were both like called a thing like in the streets? Like that's that's pretty pretty fucking bizarre. Like uh, knowing the two of you, you guys have probably been called some other things in the streets, but these yeah, seem like yeah, complimentary yeah. things. That yeah, but saying. like called, you know, you were yeah. called by these characters. Um, you know, and yeah, it, it is weird. Um, that's cool that you have that friendship with him to be able to confide in him about that because it's a unique experience for an actor. Yeah, I feel like you can't you can't talk to every actor about this stuff like and I don't like to talk about it that much honestly but with my close friends and he's one of my best friends uh you can kind of go through the ins and outs of this all this stuff and and he went through it as a 19 year old 20 year old kid so he 
it's different for him and he he's been through it i feel like i'm on a similar track so i kind of check in with him about mm-hmm. what this is so know. what happens to a show like succession when it comes out people love it and now you guys all go back to work and you know that oh everyone kind of feels our show you didn't have that feeling on the first se- season of making it yeah i feel like the first season it was we were really inside it was like ours and it was intimate and felt like we were just making like a long movie and and now it's just be i don't know it's it's going to be interesting going back i feel like we're all I feel like we're all really smart. We know what our, what these characters are. We know what the tone of the show is. I think the writers, our writers are very smart. And I think we'll just be able to go back into it. Um, but it, we've definitely obviously been like penetrated by the public. And and you don't want, <laughs> no, no pun intended, tr- truly. No <laughs> one's getting penetrated by. While Nick's publicist in the corner just. <laughs> Just, just, just melting. How many times she's done just that this weekend? Her, I mean, head in her hands, like, oh no, <laughs> here he goes. Um, <laughs> I always have to drop the word penetrate into you know every interview. It's just an important thing sure. for me. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, one of my favorite words. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be different, but I don't know. When did you know yeah. that it popped? When did you know that it hit and wasn't just another good show that you were on? I guess when people just you you just start to see internet stuff happen, like people making memes. I don't even know how to screenshot shit on my computer, and people are making memes and like, you know, like all you felt of a sudden it. you felt it. Really. Yeah, you just yeah. feel it. Yeah, you know, people are sending me stuff once or twice a day, and I don't know. They're picking up on things that are details that I thought were great in the script, but that I didn't think anybody would notice, and all of a sudden they're they're seeing these little moments or little like eye twitches or little thumbs up to Tom or whatever, these little things, these little moments. And then you realize, oh, people are paying attention to this. People really care. Like they care about Greg. They care about these characters and they're using their, their whatever amount of time we have <laughs> to, to screenshot and like put things together and put them on the internet. That's it's crazy. You know, we were talking with a filmmaker uh, during this festival about almost it's like remix artists. It's someone takes the art that you make and then kind of remixes it in a way for a different kind of meaning behind it. Like you said, yeah. a, uh, an innocuous glance at a dinner scene on succession could turn into a meme that you use when you break up with your girlfriend. I'm like, what? Like it's just, yeah, yeah. People or like art. I do a wave and all of a sudden it's like a thing on Instagram. You can like pin, you know, like, it's it's so crazy. It, I, I don't, it's crazy. And it couldn't happen to someone who deserves it more than you, dude. Like you've put thanks. in this work and to have people making memes of you waving <laughs> is, is, is the reward, I suppose. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've been to Sundance a few times. This is called the Festival Rules Podcast. So we're asking people uh, to share some rules for navigating a festival like Sundance. Uh, I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is like it's the altitude's the real it's a real thing. Um yeah, so uh, I think drinking a lot of water. Um, people who are listening to this series are going to think all of us LA people are so soft <laughs> Such pussies, because yeah. every single person has started with hydration, like snacks, you bring your inhaler, pacing yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Everyone Get your blood is thinners like out rationing like, like we're actually in 1917. It's ridiculous. Yeah, just a bunch of out of shape people coming up here. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Um, yeah, you get drunk a little bit easier, I would say. Um, I don't know. Um, 
probably didn't get a chance to see other stuff this year I because see, yeah. you were busy with Zola, but you've gone to other, you know, films when you've been here just as a fan or just the experience of kind of being here. Yeah. What is that like? How do you, how do you, why, what makes Sundance special? You think? I think, um, I haven't been around a, a group of people this excited to, to talk about movies, be around movies, you know, uh, you're just in this, um, this place where people just really care. Like they want to talk about stuff. They want to talk about the nuances of film. And I feel like that, that those conversations just don't happen for me mostly in life. Um, so that's a, that's a nice, a nice thing. I feel like I have those conversations in my head right. afterwards, but like, uh, after the show, the main man bands, not sitting around talking about Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. No, they're not really. <laughs> no, nah, those aren't the, the main discussions we're having. Uh, but it's nice to like, everyone's a film geek here. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a cool thing to, to be in. Um, how do you handle yourself as a big film fan and, and, you know, TV fan when you're now going to all these award shows and you're like, I don't oh, know, man. I, yeah. I go to the bathroom next to, I don't know, some Martin Scorsese. You're like, how do you control yourself? How do you, how, how was the, how were the gloves the other night? The gloves were, were that. It just, it's. <laughs> it was it, the urinal with Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that yeah. He and I, like, we crossed swords. It was crazy. He was, uh, <laughs> he was, he has a super strong stream. No, um, he, it was, uh, it was really, it was surreal. You know, I. You know, I kind of, I'm like, how, when am I ever going to meet Meryl Streep maybe? So I'm going up to Meryl Streep, oh, tapping so her go, on the shoulder. You do, you're and like, tapping Meryl Streep on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I tapped a couple shoulders. It was you're sort like, of that moment. HBO like, fam, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we don't beat you, except we did. Um, no, but, but, but she actually said, she, I can say that because she said to me when she met me, which was crazy to me. I was like, hey, Meryl. And uh, she turned around and she goes, oh my God, it's you. And I was like. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I'm such a fan of you. I, I, you know, it's so great to meet you. And she's like, I love you on the show. I love your show. You guys are going to win tonight. And so it was sort of this moment where I was like, okay, well, if Meryl says that, she's been to a lot of these. She's probably got a good feeling. Um, Someone tells me she's like the globe whisperer or she's like the it, oracle of the globes. Totally. Like a couple of special winks from some of the HFPA members. And then, um, but yeah, it was, it was so, it was so much fun. I met a lot of people that I really revered. Elton John was like, he, the, once we got off stage from collecting our award, be, like being on stage in front, accepting the award, walking off the ramp, Elton John was the first person to be like, oh, I love your show. And th- and like hugged and, you know, shook and kissed each of us as we walked off stage. It was like an Elton John meet and greet. And, um, and that was crazy to me. Uh, so a lot of moments like that that you just kind of can't believe. It's crazy when you kind of like get past the the rope or the curtain and you're like you get to see these different pockets of Hollywood that you always admired from afar. Yeah. And if you get to win a, a globe and have a kiss from Elton John, you're like, what? This is what it is. This is nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird when they call your show's name or they call Brian Cox's name because you just can't believe the person that you know and spend time with and are rooting for actually got they got it they want they did it you know and it feels to me like such a mountain to 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 win these major things to be able to get these major things so when they say succession it's like okay i guess we're getting out of our seats and we're the ones gonna we're gonna walk forward now nobody's guiding you there by the way there's not like someone who says like okay now you're just sort of like okay they said our name so we walk 
to the thing. It's I don't know. It's um, maybe I'm not describing it cor- correctly exactly. No, no, but you're right. There's there's nobody telling you to get up there and to do it. But you've seen it so many. But they, times some person kid, said so your name. Just feels like that's what you're supposed to. I guess. Or yeah, yeah. You're like okay. Well, we've got to go you, now. Man. I was so happy yeah. for you. It's so great, and it's um, it's wonderful to see you back here at Sundance. This movie Zola. It has its energy and is so different from anything you're doing on Succession. So if people yeah. love you on that show, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Some girl at the Q&A, we did a Q&A last night at a midnight screening. So we were there at 1.30 doing the Q&A. And this girl in the audience said, "Where?" so I can't believe you're here because where did they get you? It seemed like you were like a local, like Tampa hire, you know? And she, yeah, she was... Um, she was like, you're so gaunt in the movie. You know, she said something about like the way I looked. You're like, um, thanks. Yeah. I, I honestly guess. take that as like, <laughs> that's a success for me. Um, and yeah, and I, you sure. know, I'll chalk it up to the chin strap beard mainly. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Fred Durst kind of beard action happening. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, very... It's, it's a wonderful role for you and it's Thank a great you. time and moment for you. So I'm happy I get to share it with you at Sundance and I wish you nothing but success and, and all love, dude. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's yeah, great absolutely. to see you out here. Yeah. Nick Braun, the star of Zola. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy movie that you should check out if you're here in Park City or when it comes out later this year. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. That was Ben's great conversation with Nicholas Braun. I love that, dude. I'm so happy for him, Josh. He's having such a moment right now, and it's great to see. Uh, As we said earlier, Zola, uh, you'll all get a chance to see this one, this crazy story, uh, later this year in cinemas from A24. And if you're listening overseas, you'll hear it from Sony. I saw they just sold their international rights as well. Nice. Yeah, a much-talked-about film that will continue uh, to get a lot of conversation around it. Uh, That about wraps up episode six. Uh, Sadly, obviously a somber one, but I mean, look, real-life necessity this kind of conversation. I hope you guys got some kind of catharsis out of our own conversation and Ben's great conversation with Nick today. One last Kobe story that warms yeah. my heart when I think about him. I interviewed him at the 2010 All-Star Game. It's a famous moment. As everyone knows, I'm a New York Knicks fan when Chris Childs back in the day punched Kobe Bryant. And I asked Kobe about that and he said, who won the game? <laughs> Lakers did. That's, that's Kobe Bryant. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.